You got to accentuate the positive. Wow! I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. Welcome to ATP Radio. I'm your host, Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, showing you how to accentuate the positive, the way to a better life. Your radio station is an example of the future existing right now. Clap along if you feel like that's what you want to do. Hello and welcome to another hour accentuating the positive here on Soul Traveller Radio. I'm your host, Karen Swain. I'm a teacher of deliberate creation, a channel and a medium, channeling wisdom from my guides and broader perspective whom I've called blissful beings. On Accentuate the Positive, you'll hear conversations with open hearts and inspired minds. It's my intent to put more love out through our media. It's so important to have a media diet that uplifts you, empowers you, and reminds you of who you really are, instead of a lot of the media that we get that puts you in fear. So this is why I present the show. I've got some wonderful guests lined up for you. Please subscribe and support positive media you can stay up to date with the show on accentuate the positive radio with karen swain on facebook or go to karenswain.com and you'll see most of the podcasts there hello welcome to accentuate the positive with karen swain i've got another fascinating guest for you today to have a conversation with her name is robbie holtz and she is intuitively guided self-healing practitioner who's written a couple of fabulous books secrets of aboriginal healing and aboriginal secrets of awakening hi robbie welcome to the show hi karen nice to be here now i probably got your title wrong intuitively guided self-healing practitioner right I like right. that it's a bit yeah. helpful but I like that <laughs> <laughs> well it's more accurate than healer because I help people um learn how to heal themselves well absolutely absolutely you know years ago I called myself healer I don't call myself healer anymore I call myself teacher because of that because I didn't want people to think that I was actually healing them I wanted them to feel like I was helping them facilitate their own healing so it was really more about self-empowerment. So this is the way you've got around yep. that because here yeah, the notes exactly. that you're going to do it for me as opposed to you're going to help me do it for myself. Right. I'm going to show you how to do it yourself. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. It's, 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 it's empowerment, like you said. Yeah, exactly. I heard about you from Danielle Gibbons. I just adore Danielle. Yes. She's beautiful. I interviewed her recently and uh, we had a bit of a chat with Mother Mary, Danielle Gibbons channels, Mother Mary. She's been doing that for about 22 years. But after we were having a chat after the interview and she said, now I have to tell you about Robbie, you know, and uh, <laughs> I usually have so many people contacting me. I, I don't, but yeah. I Googled you and I saw what you were doing and I saw what your husband was doing and I thought... You know, I'm Australian, and to tell you the truth, I know very little about my very own Indigenous culture here on this great land. You know, I know very little. Like, I've grown up in Australia, and I know very little. So I wanted to help spread their message because what the mass media is showing us is not the best part of their culture unfortunately you know here in Australia and I used to spend a lot of time in New Zealand and the indigenous culture there is very powerful very strong every newsreader who starts the news gives the Maori greeting the Maori greeting you know kia ora and here we don't have a lot of that you come to Australia 
You walk through the airport, you see some Aboriginal paintings and unless you go out to the outback and you're with them, that's where your Aboriginal encounter ends if you're in the city. Yeah, and my experience is is very limited, and so was Gary's. It was with remote Aboriginals in the outback near Uluru, Ayers Rock. So I can't speak to all the Aboriginal tribes people. I can just speak to the remote ones that we were connected to. Yeah, and I, I just think that they were very generous in giving their wisdom and their healing secrets to us and asking us to take it out into the world, which is what we've been doing. So yeah. and even though Gary's passed, he's still helping from the other side very much. Absolutely. He's here. Yeah, so you know, the Aboriginal culture, what I know about it, and it's very little, is very secretive. And it's interesting that you've called your book Secrets of Aboriginal Awakening because they are very secretive, even amongst their own people. You know, there are certain restrictions, rules and regulations that only certain people can know. So I found it interesting that you were spreading their message. I suspect it's just time for it to come out of that secret closet. But let's, mm-hmm. let's get into your story. So it was obviously your husband that it started with. What mm-hmm. happened? How did all this come about? Well, my, my husband was a physicist, uh, an inventor. He had a lot of patents in deep space. And he also had multiple sclerosis. And he was a quadriplegic, which meant he had very little feeling and movement from the neck down. And the doctors had pretty much given him a death sentence. He had about six months left to live because his, his organs were shutting down. And so even though Western medicine didn't have anything that they could offer him, he discovered through a naturopathic physician from Australia that the remote outback Aboriginal people might have something for him, that they were known for their remarkable healing gifts. And she knew, this uh, doctor knew how to get in touch with the Aboriginal people. And Gary contacted them. Uh, One of them had an apartment in Brisbane. He traversed the village, the remote village, and then I think it was Brisbane. And when he contacted Ray, the Aboriginal uh, man, he said, what took you so long? We've been waiting for four months. They already knew he was coming before he even knew of them because they're so tuned in to this one consciousness, the, 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 you know, the grid, uh, whatever you want to call that unified field. So they knew he was coming. They knew that they were to give their healing secrets to him. And like you said, uh, they didn't, want to disclose that. They were very resistant. But the big guy, which is kind of a genderless term for divine source, whatever that means to you, asked them to give their healing secrets to this man because he had the ability to take it out into the world. He was highly respected. And so we wanted to make sure that's exactly what they wanted. And they did because they told us, the Aboriginal tribes people told us that we civilized tribes don't really understand how healing works. And so this is why they were willing to disclose these ancient, ancient healing secrets. Wow. And I would agree, after understanding what they have to teach us, we, we're missing the mark. Um, we're missing a big piece. That's really what put us passionately on this path of teaching people the healing secrets so that we could empower people how to heal themselves. And I healed myself of hepatitis C and fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue syndrome and severe brain damage from experimental treatments the doctors put me on. So it works. It works, and I just really want to get this information out and help people and get their power back. So, Robbie, how long ago was this? How long ago did your husband come out to Australia? I'm amazed that 
an American naturopath told him about Aboriginal healing. That's pretty exciting in itself. <laughs> it is. And, and for this scientist, this physicist, he was a physicist uh, who's very immersed in the black and white community. Of the, if it doesn't exist, if you can't prove it to me, that he would even bite at that. I think yeah. it just goes to show he was so desperate to survive and yeah. that he had exhausted everything he knew. And then along comes this naturopathic doctor who says, well, the remote outback Aboriginal people have remarkable healing gifts, and I think they can help you. And so even though his logical mind was telling him it was crazy, here he is a quadriplegic in a wheelchair. Mm. Nobody would go with him to the outback. They thought it was insane. And they thought he won't go if nobody will go with him. But he was desperate. And he went into the outback and was literally unloaded like cargo off that plane uh, and went into the, yeah, it was a very arduous trip for him. But I think he had two children that were kind of providing that motivation to stay alive. And that's was really what- before you met him? Did you go with yes. him? Yes. Oh, this, no, was- this was in 94. Uh, this was in 94. I met him in 2001. Okay. And then I went into the outback in 2008, a year after he had passed. So he accompanied me. He just accompanied me from the other side. So So tell me more about his journey. What did he discover? A scientist. I don't know if there are too many scientists uh, watching this show, but it would be great if they were and they would start to look into this. You know, a scientist goes to a remote Australia because let's just put this into perspective for people. Australia, the land itself is almost the size of the states, you know, not including the north part alaska Alaska, yeah thank you i've gone blank and it and we have like about 26 24 26 million people on the entire continent because we are a continent so Mm -hmm. there is a lot of land and not a lot of people so when we talk about remote outback australia boy is it remote right you've been there very remote very remote and this is why i believe that these particular aboriginal people that we were dealing with were very safeguarded and tucked away in this vast desert so that they didn't have connection to civilization. In fact, uh, they hadn't. The tribes people had never seen a white person before. Really? Um, Yeah, it it was only Ray who traversed the city, Brisbane, and the outback. Um, But they did bring in a healer who was part Aboriginal, part English. They brought her in so that she could speak to Gary and communicate to him. Otherwise, none of the other villagers have ever encountered anyone outside of their tribe, as far as Aboriginal people go, um, white people. So it was pretty extraordinary that they would invite him. It was pretty extraordinary what happened in his 10 days with them. And it was actually continued to be even more extraordinary after he left. But he came out of that desert 10 days later. Now, you got to remember, he had been a quadriplegic with no feeling from the neck down for seven years. And now he came back with feeling for the first time in seven years. And he clumsily walked down the airplane aisle on that return flight home. But more than anything here, and he was transformed emotionally. He recognized that his, he had had a really abusive childhood. His father was an alcoholic who would beat him when he got drunk. And uh, Gary was this brilliant-minded boy and man, and he learned how to numb himself to emotions until he literally numbed himself physically. And the Aboriginal people 
helped him understand that that was the core to this numbing was the emotional core. And that if you don't get to the emotional core, it's like picking the top of a dandelion, it'll come right back again. You've got to get to that core. That's what started it in the first place. It's, it's kind of like people will have tumors removed and they come back again because they haven't changed the emotional mindsets and thought patterns that were creating that in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I'm thinking? <laughs> I'm thinking you've heard of John of God in Brazil. Yes, yeah. yes. So, you know, Australians flock to Brazil <laughs> to go to this healer and here we've got it in our own backyard. Yes, exactly, exactly. And I think that I, I just get the sense that they needed somebody from the like the United States who had no preconceived notions at all of Aboriginal people and no clue about any of it so that you could get a very untainted picture of really what they were offering. And, and people contact me all the time and they want to know, how do I get to this tribe in Australia? And we're like, well, the whole point of the book is so that you don't have to trek across. Not that you wouldn't want to visit beautiful Australia, but we can save you some time and some money by teaching you these simple techniques in the book so that you know how to heal yourself. And, and the Aboriginal people live by these five principles, not just for healing, but for everything. So it's about manifesting anything you want, not just health. It's, I, the more I live what they taught me, it's fabulous. Yeah. I want to get into the five principles, but I, I want to talk more about the Aboriginal people. You know, you said at, at an American, because being an Australian, this is how the mass media have portrayed the Aboriginals. They're useless, they're drunks, they're, you know, it's been a really bad image. Sorry, guys, but it has. And this is how the Aboriginals have been portrayed to us through, and I'm only saying through mass media because obviously I work in sort of spiritual groups. It's completely different. We always, with anything we do, actually, it's politically correct to acknowledge the ancestors of the land and their ancestors always. I should have actually done that before we started. But they have been portrayed as just angry about the genocide because obviously when, when the British arrived, the genocide of the Aboriginal people was the worst genocide of any group, you know, on the planet. I mean, there's been the Jewish genocide. There's been many genocides, but they wiped out many tribes, you know, yeah. in our history. So we've had this dreadful history. And that seems to be the topic of conversation when we're when the Aboriginal people have been referred to through mass media. I'm only talking about mass media, not in general. You know, for right. the first time now we've got an Aboriginal channel denoted to Indigenous media, yeah. which only started well, a year or so ago. So that's a step forward. It's, it's interesting that an American had to come to bring their message to the world yeah. because... I don't know, maybe Australians were just hypnotized by the way the media has been portraying them. It's been really interesting. I think so. I think so. And, and actually, the Australians were surprised that I went to Australia when they said, well, you have Native Americans right there. Right? Yeah. It never even occurred to me because we have the same thing. We have the news media reporting and biasing our you know, prejudices and belief systems about them. So... The ones that I'm talking about, the ones that we experienced, I would liken them more to, I kind of felt like they were Atlant that they were descendants of Atlanteans who had safeguarded in, in this vast, vast area in, in the desert. And that this is information and wisdom that they have passed on word of mouth for 
at least 60,000 years, if not longer. And that they're living in what I would consider to be a fifth dimensional existence. And we're currently living in a third. And I think that they're showing us very strongly giving us the information on how to get to these higher states of love, how to get to these states of healing the body. And so I feel that the ones that we're talking about are fifth dimensional descendants of Atlanteans who are generously gave this information because it's time. And I also feel that they're leaving the planet. And this is another reason why they're sharing this information. So... Yeah, it'd be great if they shared it amongst their own, maybe too. Maybe they do. I've got to say, I'm, I'm, a, bit, I'm a bit ignorant. I, I, I'm no authority on them at all because here I am, Australian, and, I, and you know, I wanted to talk to you because I am not an authority on them. And uh, and I think that's... And, and neither am I. Yeah, yeah, neither am I. I can only tell you about my experiences with them. Yeah. And, and Gary's experiences and, and the ones that we encountered um, near Uluru. Yeah. Because I, I can't... Obviously, there's so many different... It's, it's like somebody going to Paris and say, well, I know what Frenchmen are like. It's like, yeah. well, that's just a few people in Paris. So, you know, it's just... It's... Uh, I think it was an honor uh, for for all for both Gary and I to be invited. I think it was very unusual, and I think that it was because it was timely, and I think it was our soul's contract. Yeah, definitely. Um, so tell me, yeah. how did you meet Gary? And <laughs> and when you yeah. met him, and he told you his story, like what was going on? Like ah, oh goodness. Well, you know, I was not an easy sell. Um, I met him at a party of Fourth of July people. I don't know if you're familiar with that. It's a big festival we have here. It's the independence. And so it's just nothing but fireworks and partying. Um, we just went through that two days ago. And Mm -hmm. so this was a party of, uh, probably many, many people who were very gifted psychics, uh, animal communicators, Mm -hmm. uh, fascinating people. And I, I'd heard that this man was coming and that they were really excited about him, but I really had no interest in talking to him because I wanted to soak up all the information from the animal healers and the animal communicators, because that's the direction I thought I was going. And so we ended up sitting next to each other and he said two words to me. He was so, apparently when we were introduced, all the past lives we had had flashed across my face, which just freaked the poor man out. He didn't know, he'd never had that experience before, but he knew there was something unusual about me. And honestly, Karen, I got nothing. I got nothing. I had no idea <laughs> that we had had a connection. So I was really, I had no interest in, in communicating with him. I really just wanted to, to just kind of latch on to the animal communication chats. So he knew that we needed to be together. This is the, I was the woman he'd been waiting for, that we'd had many past lives together. And he was a, he was known at that point. Now this was in 2001. He'd come back from the outback in 94 and he came back and got a doctor's degree in immunology, practicing what the Aboriginal people had taught him and was very good at his healing practice. He came, became excellent at it and was helping AIDS people and uh, stage four cancers and a remarkable healer. And so he said to me, if you come and to my clinic, I will teach you how to heal animals. And boy, that was the Achilles heel. That was what brought me in. So, so, and then he healed my sister. I come from a big Catholic family. There are six of us. And one of my sisters in the Midwest, in Illinois, was going blind very quickly. She had lost all her vision in one eye and had a little bit of peripheral vision in her other eye. And it was happening very fast. And the medical community had nothing to offer her 
And Gary said, send her out. We lived in Seattle area at the time. Send her out. I think I can help her. And he healed her in four days. And that's when something flipped that switch in me. And I just knew he had done that out of love for me. And I just fell in love with him instantly. And beautiful. That's a beautiful story. I love that. So obviously you wanted to learn how to heal animals. So you were already working as a healer at the time that you met him. Yes. At that time, I was working um, in the Western medicine. I was working in a veterinarian's office because I wanted to know what does Western medicine offer? I wanted to get a well-rounded practice, but I didn't know what Gary was doing. And the first thing I brought him was a dog that had a broken spine and the doctors were going to put the dog down and um, because there's nothing else you can do. And I brought this dog to Gary. He, the, the vet was kind enough and egoless enough to let him come to her clinic and work on this dog. And after about four visits, this dog was healed. And so that's when I'm like, okay, what does he know that I want to know what he's doing? And that sort of started it to on this path. But what I realized is if you can help the heal the people, that's the best thing to do to help the animals. Because I saw the animals were letting the healing flow from them right to their owners. I saw that a lot. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we had this conversation about self-healing and you call yourself a practitioner that helps people self-heal. How does that work with animals? I mean, uh, because, you know, when we have these conversations about healers, you know, Gary healed him, Gary healed her, Gary healed... It looks like Gary's doing the work. And, of course, as any healer, because I'm passionate about this, any healer allows that facilitation. Like, like I just see healers as teachers. I see healers as yes. somebody that helps you release resistance. And a conduit. A conduit. A conduit. You know, and when you release resistance, source energy can flow and healing occurs. Yes. With an animal, how do you do that with an animal? How do you help an animal release resistance? Or are you helping the owner? What's happening there? Well, it's a little bit of both. It's, and actually, he started out on animals when he came back from the outback. He right. started realizing he had healing gifts and he was working on horses and he just found that there wasn't as much resistance from animals. And so what he was doing, and I, and thank you for clarifying, he was a conduit for this energy. And so he would place his hand, for instance, on the little dog that had a broken spine. He placed his hand on the spine and energy would come through him and go into the spine of the dog. Now he was working with a solar angel called Julie. And Julie was the one sending the healing and the energy, but she used Gary as the conduit so she could see through his eyes Mm -hmm. and he could watch her laser off tumors. He could watch her. He could see inside the body. He started developing these abilities and they worked together as a team. So he was very humble conduit for this healing energy to go through him. And he would actually say that he spent more time clearing stuff out then you could start re- the rejuvenation process because we hold these things in our cells. We have a cellular memory and it's a different kind of cell. It's very dense and compact. It doesn't hold much life force. And those have to be cleared out before you can start bringing in. We do. More. We do. And, and as you said before, you know, Gary's healing was about his emotional healing. And, yes. I, and I'm thinking, because I think that where we get stuck as a, as a society is, you know, even the John of God phenomena, people are flocking to the healers because you're like, you're going to heal me. And when I was there years ago, 15 years ago, 
went all the way to Brazil, could have gone out to the outback. Anyway, he he stood there on stage and said, I don't heal anybody, you know. No, No healing occurs in my house. He said, the only thing that goes on here is your faith in God. And, you know, that was coming from that very sort of Brazil is a very religious country and they speak in that language. But, you know, your faith, your faith, your knowing, your trust, your, your allowing, your yes. opening. Do you work on animals now? I don't. I just work on people because I've decided that I can help more if I teach people. Yeah. Um, I can reach more. We were helping people who were very, very sick and decided let's start at the other end of that and start helping people understand how to heal and then they can help themselves and they can help others. So we, we sort of switched after a while and realized speaking like this, getting the book out, that sort of information is much more helpful and will ultimately help the animals better. Mm-hmm. So I don't, but you know, to, to clarify for people, I think they need to understand, and this is what the Aboriginal people helped me understand. Healing takes place with the body, the emotions, and the soul. All three are equally involved equally involved in the healing. And most people have the emotions that aren't on board with healing, and they don't know that. The body and the soul's typically involved and aligned with healing, but it's the emotions that aren't. So yeah. Gary had to learn to forgive his father and let go of those emotions, those cells that were being created that were, I mean, Dr. Emoto showed us in his water experiments, they're a different cell. They're, they're just low vibrating, they don't function, they're disfigured. Those kind of emotions create a perfect breeding ground for disease. And the hardest and most toxic emotions for the body are guilt, Catholic, you know, I know that so well, and self-hatred. Those are so hard on you physically. And And the flip side is that love based emotions emit healing response. Gratitude has a tremendous healing response on the body. So you want to start paying attention to what kind of emotions are you marinating in on a regular basis, because it's creating that, that body, it's affecting that body. Mm-hmm. So you were with Gary for a few years and he, you said he passed. I'm not going to say you're dead. They hate it when I say you're dead. He said <laughs> in 2008. He passed in 2007. Seven. 2007. I went into the outback in 2008. Okay. Yes. What was happening during that time? In uh, 2008. Yeah, how, how did he pass? What was happening? Well, you know, he came to me a year before he passed and said that he was being told, you have to remember now when he came back from the outback, Karen, he was spending hours a day, every day, like the outback Aboriginal people do, the remote ones where they're tuned, they unplug from the mind and they plug into this greater consciousness many, many hours a day. And he came to me and said, um, I've been told that I will be passing in a year. He'd been told by Julie is a guardian angel or solar angel. Mm. And he, he did. We, we called hospice in six months before he was supposed to pass. And hospice is like, we don't know why we're here. This man is fine. And sure enough, he passed six months later. Yeah. Um, he passed, Karen, when I think he knew I was going to be okay. That I could now, he was passing the baton to me yeah. uh, to be teaching this. And once he knew I was strong enough, then he would leave. But I didn't expect he would show up every morning after he passed. He's a very punctual man, and he would show up at exactly 8 o'clock, except one year when he was off and we had changed our clocks an hour. I don't know if you do that in Australia. You don't need to change the clocks an hour. So he shows up, and he still shows up. 
And so he's very, very involved. He's just helping more from the other side. And that's what he, they, he had been told a year before he passed is you can be of more assistance from the other side of the veil. And we were really upset about it. And then we decided, well, if you can help more from the other side, then that's what we need to learn to accept. And and he is, he's helping tremendously. Look, I often say that I could, you know, physical life is challenging. I was having this chat with another medium the other day, Jamie Butler. And we were saying, you know, often we say, oh, it'd be so much easier to just do all this from the other side, you know. We don't have to do bodies. <laughs> and it's I'm like, true. why do I do my work from the other side? Do I have to be in this body and worry about my weight and all that stuff? I know. I kind of look at it as we're ground crew, you know. We're the human members of the team. Somebody somebody has to do the physical work. So apparently we do the, the short straw. I don't know, but here yeah, we yeah. are. So he, he's lucked out. He's over there in heaven and it's like you holding the baton as you said I know I was pretty upset about that initially I'm like why can't I go too yeah but now I understand now I get it my work is you know I have to tell you when I'm on an airplane and people are nervous about it going down I'm thinking this plane ain't going down because I have way too much work to do it's not going down exactly exactly when you know you're not going to die you don't get scared you know because my guides have said to me you're going to live a really you know long time and I'm like yeah Anyway, (laughs) but what I love about your story too is that you've maintained your relationship. As you say, you know, death, I was having this conversation. It's a conversation I like to have. Death creates some of the worst pain on the planet, you know, some of the most suffering and grief. And there are so many people that want to talk about how you've got to grieve for as long as you need to grieve. And grief is just a thought that you've lost someone that you can't get back. It's a Mm -hmm. devastating thought, but it's not true. It's not a true thought. It's not a true belief. And obviously you've maintained your relationship with him and that's, that's beautiful. I have, we, what we've had, it's been, you know, he died in 2000 or he passed physically in 2007. And I've noticed that over the years, and it took me a while, I had to gradually move him out of the bedroom and all the other rooms in the house and just keep him to confined to the, my office because otherwise I wasn't, having relationships with anybody else, I would visit psychics and they're like, well, there's three people in this relationship. So when I got rid of our bedspread, that's when all of a sudden somebody showed up to start dating. It's like, okay, so Gary has been slowly moved just pictures and statues and everything else to the office. We're business partners now, so to speak. And, and but we dearly adore and love each other, but it had to shift at some point. So it has. Yeah. So he asked you to go out to the outback and, and you know, from the other side, he said, go and experience yourself. And you went in 2008. Well, I, I was invited. Uh, the Aboriginal uh, women, tribes women decided to open up some of their ceremonies to people from around the world. Very small group. It was kind of an experiment. And the, the men did not want this happening. And the women sort of won out. And I was invited. And I have no doubt Gary was behind that invitation. Okay. Uh, so I, I got to come to the outback close to the area that he was. And it was... Oh my goodness. It was um, amazing experience. And we talk about that in the awakening book. You know, the thing is, it's so different. That culture is very different than ours. And I think in a lot of ways we don't understand them, but the remote Outback Aboriginals that we encountered, they were operating at such a high level of love and service 
um, in the present moment. We never knew when ceremonies were going to happen because it's not like they wait till five o'clock. You know, it's, it happens when it's right. And I could feel that they were raising our vibration and frequency. I would wake up during the night when I was in the outback and see these hieroglyphics. I knew they were upgrading my software, so to speak. And they've raised our frequency so that during these ceremonies, we could experience things that, you know how we all know we're one. We know that, but during the ceremonies, you could feel it. You could experience it and you could feel the tremendous love from Gaia, our mother. I mean, it was, it was passionate. It was powerful. That's the kind of existence that these people were living in. And so we got to experience that. And we talk about that in, in the awakening book. Yeah. It's very powerful. Yeah. Beautiful. You know, I have a lot of friends that are always saying, come to the Outback Company. They've been saying it for like 20, 25 years. And I've never been drawn to go because I'm a, I live right on the ocean. I'm, you know, my oh, mother yeah. is the ocean. It's like, I don't want to leave yeah. my mother. Because, I, you know, yeah. as I said, Australia is just this massive land. And unlike America, we don't have those, you know, in the Outback, we don't have those great lakes. There's not a lot of water. There's, there's water. There's watering holes. But you know, in the middle of America, you've got these massive lakes. So you can mm -hmm. sit and see like what looks like an ocean or rivers or yeah. well, it's different here in Australia. It's so, it's very earth. It's very earth. Yeah. The energy in the outback is just incredible. Especially, especially around Uluru. I mean, it's a vortex for very, very strong energy. It is. Um, so it just makes it easier to get into this higher vibrational state. I, I found the outback to be incredibly harsh. It is. Um, oh, I I couldn't. I felt like I had landed on Mars. I yeah. wasn't used to red dirt. Yeah. And it was so hard. I mean, you touch something and it'll splinter off in your hand. And I have to say, Karen, I felt relief one night. I was thinking, what did I do? Why am I? This is crazy. I didn't even yeah. really think this through. Yeah. And then I heard a plane overhead as I'm lying in my sleeping bag the first night and just I felt such relief hearing that airplane just knowing okay civilization is near it's okay it's it's just that it felt very different yeah. and see meeting the aboriginal women at night it was frightening um there were these big bonfires and it was a culture that I had never really encountered much and I saw a dingo and I felt such comfort in seeing the dingo because I love animals it's like well of course they have pets of course they have animals and then I saw a little child and it's like well, of course they have children. These are women. These are families. So I, I you know, calm down and realize this is such a, a rare opportunity to be here in ceremonies that are much more powerful than I had any understanding of. We actually created thunderstorms that kept coming and circling around the camp. Yeah. And they told us when we got back to the hotel a week later that they hadn't seen storms like that for years. And as I understand it, the Aboriginal uh, women said that it was the white people that helped add to that energy. There were about maybe 20 white women from all over the world who were invited. And I brought a friend of mine from the United States who is very gifted and has the ability to see and communicate. So she was telepathically communicating with the Aboriginal tribeswomen for months before we got there. And then when we got there, they all were pointing at her because they recognized this is the one we've been talking to. Right. 
Fabulous. I know, fabulous. I mean, it's true. It's true. But they're, they're almost like an alien race, the, the, the remote Aboriginals, because yeah. they have a very different way of being. There's no such thing as time. As yes. say, you know, they say, okay, we're going to do this tomorrow and then tomorrow comes and it doesn't happen then the next day and maybe weeks ago. But you said you were going to do that like weeks ago. It wasn't the right time. You know, we'll know it. It's like they're just completely guided, as you say, and um, and. Well, let's get into the five principles because the five principles will kind of explain what they're on about because also they're not into, you know, what you look like, all that vanity that Western society goes on yeah. about. You know, the, 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 you see them, they, they're dusty, they're dirty, that they, you know, they just, it's like, but it doesn't matter. It's like that's not that, it's not that important. It's my connection to myself yeah. more important than because, um, yeah, the dust out there and the heat and the flies, oh. the flies, you know, you oh, like, yeah. have like a swarm of flies will land on your face yeah. and, and I was hot and you'll have dust stuck all over you. And here's the thing, as fleshy white people, we freak out. <laughs> I think that's why I haven't gone because I'm a fleshy white person. <laughs> and the Aboriginals, it's like, mm, it doesn't matter, don't worry about it. What do you mean? They're just so down with it they're so cool with it they're so relaxed and it is they are it's a personal growth just going to that harsh environment because you have to drop so many things that you think are important that are not important exactly so let's talk and i have to yeah well i'm just going to say it was so it felt so good to to not worry about your hair. Like it could not have been more matted and more dirty. And it was there was just some freedom to that that we all looked awful and we didn't care. It was it was, it was lovely. So the five principles. Let's talk about that. And you can use this for anything, whether it's healing or manifesting whatever you want. But the first step is willingness. So we're going to focus on the healing aspect. Are you willing to be well? Are you willing to make changes? Because some people have secondary gains. They may not. And Gary was surprised to learn through muscle testing. He wasn't willing to totally heal. He wasn't willing. Um, So that you have to find out, you have to pay attention to, am I really willing to do what it takes? So that's the first step is willingness. The second step is uh, awareness. This is so important. You have to become aware of what are the emotional cores to this illness. And it's pretty predictable. Energy gets blocked for the same reasons. We tend to hold our grief in our chest area. If you're constantly having grief and you're not releasing it, and you have a propensity for heart disease or breast cancer, you could be potentially setting yourself up. So you have to become aware of that and releasing this and stop making more of it. Like I had uh, fibromyalgia. That's a whole system-wide, I have a lot of fear and stress going on, mainly stress. Mm. The whole system is involved in autoimmune diseases. So you pay attention to where that energy is blocked and what's going on. What are the emotional cores? And that's so important to become aware of. And I do consultations with people and I connect to my healing team, which Gary is part of, to find out what are the emotional cores so that they can have an awareness and start releasing it. So the second step is awareness. Become aware of what started this. Because it's kind of like if you start having these emotions, it's affecting your body. And it's like a blinking light on a dashboard, on a car. And if you keep having these emotions and they're not fostering a vibrant body and they keep creating problem and blockage and become toxic, now that light is on that dashboard all the time and it's lit up and it's staying on and it's called diabetes, 
fibromyalgia. It's a physical problem now. That's why you want to go back and get the emotional core. So the third step is acceptance. You may not like that this is in your life, but it's here for a reason. We can't forget that we are souls currently incarnated in a physical body and that the soul plays a role in this. How is this here to help you grow? What is it here to teach you? Have an awareness that you may not like this disease, but accept that it's here for a reason and it will help you grow. It becomes a blessing. Gary told people that that wheelchair was one of his biggest blessings because it forced this globe-trotting physicist, a businessman to slow down and to connect, disconnect from the mind and tap into this greater consciousness. So the third step is acceptance. The fourth step is empowerment. Take your power back. If I had believed what the doctors told me back in 85, when I was given a blood transfusion, they said I would never heal from hepatitis C. I'd have it the rest of my life. And if I had bought into that, I don't think I would have survived another 10 years. But I was motivated to find answers and survive for my little boy. And that's when I discovered there's all kinds of answers out there that medical science only knows what it knows at the moment. And so take your power back. If, again, that body, the soul, and the emotions are aligned with healing, anything can be healed anything. For most people, it's the emotional part. That's what's causing the problem. Our bodies are crumbling under the emotional weight. That's what's happening. And I think I heard you say this when I was listening to you on another interview. You know, a lot of people think that they're supposed to have some disease because it's a karmic thing or... and. I think that, as you said before, if you're suffering in any way, it's not a karmic thing. It's a wake-up call. And when you wake up, there is no need for it. But maybe your soul designed it that way. Maybe your soul said, okay, you're not getting the picture. Let's just activate some of these cells within your body to dysfunction so that you really start to listen to your inner guidance or listen to your self-empowerment or release some of the limiting ideas about yourself. As you said, your healing and Gary's healing occurred when you know, you started to wake up to who you are as the infinite possibility yeah. and, and connected to source and constantly guided. And uh, so no disease, no suffering needs to be there when, when, you, exactly. get, when you get it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It, it, and just because you have a, a genetic predisposition to something doesn't mean you have to have it either. Absolutely. Most people, and I really want our listeners to hear this, most people are not supposed to be sick. They just, their bodies can't handle all these toxic emotions. It's that fear-based negativity that the mind generates. It just can't handle it. Mm -hmm. Occasionally, you run into situations where the soul wants them to experience that. Um, And you will see children who are born a certain way, maybe autistic or deaf, because it was part of their journey and how they would experience things through that. But for most people, that's just not the case. They're intended to heal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But even those people that are born with um, deficiency, let's call it what we perceive as deficiency, you know, there's like Nick Vujicic. He's the man's got no arms and no legs. He's just a torso and a head. Like he's the happiest guy on the planet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's just so. Yeah. So, as I said in another interview this week, you know, pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. You know, exactly. You can, you could be born with some disabilities, some so-called disabilities. 
I, I interviewed a guy that uh, he hit his head on the swimming pool and woke up out of his coma. He could play any music and he teamed up with a girl called Mandy Harvey who was a singer who went deaf. And after wallowing in her own sort of like, poor me, I can't do what I'm here to do, she started singing again and she feels the vibration of the music through her feet and sings. And she's amazing. So she's completely deaf and she's a singer and she feels the beat through the vibrations in her body and not through her ears. So, you know, it's all possible. Anything's possible, even disability. Anyway, please go on. Well, and that's where you pay attention to what's the soul's voice in this. You know, obviously their souls are very involved in what's going on with them. And this is why, again, I repeat, for most people, the soul is aligned with healing. Most people, it is. It's totally aligned. And the body's aligned. It's just that the emotions are usually what's holding people back. So the fourth one is empowerment. Take your power back. Because if you don't think you're going to heal, then chances are you won't. The mind is the biggest factor in healing. It's so important. And so that brings us to the last point, which is the last um, is focus. Focus on what you want. People, you know, I love how the Aboriginal people have been doing this for who knows how long and we're just waking up to quantum physics which is what they know you focus on what you want and you create and move in that direction so they focus on a body already well and this is what gary did as a healer i i would ask him what do you do and he said i see them well and that's what i do too when people come to me for consultations and sessions i see them well and that's the key you start focusing on that the body start moving in that direction you start loving that body back what's it telling you that it needed i was so good at ignoring my body and and just not loving it so it's not you know you start what's the loving thing to do it's it's give your body rest good nutrition but not just pay attention to what you're feeding it Um, with good food and good water, but what am I feeding myself emotionally? What kind of thoughts am I generating? Because you're creating a different kind of cell depending on what kind of thoughts you're creating. Hallelujah, Don. You know, as a teacher of deliberate creation, that's what I teach. But this is what I found fascinating about you. And Danielle said, check out Robbie. I, you know... (laughs) My first thought was, I've got enough people to talk to. But when I saw you online talking these principles, I was kind of shocked that the Aboriginal would teach, you know, because I had no idea that's what they were teaching out and here I live in Australia. So, yeah, so I had some ignorance that has been reawakened, you know, because these principles are principles of any healer or facilitator of healing, any energy healer. They're the same principles. They're global principles. Yes, and and quantum because science, it's truth because it's, it's true. truth yeah, yeah. Quantum, quantum science has been owning it you know like so here we've got the ancients talking about it we've got scientists talking about it we've got channels talking about it we've got energy healers talking about it i think the only ones not talking about it are the doctors huh but uh, you know they're starting to wake up too i've heard many doctors ask you know, Bashar and Abraham Hicks questions on things on YouTube. And I'm thinking, yeah, yeah it's a doctor waking up, you know. Like, yeah, so. I think they are waking up. I, I have a friend who's uh, very psychic and she, sort of a medical intuitive. She has doctors call her all the time. I'm like, yeah. they're not telling anybody and, or police work with them. I think it's shifting. It's yeah. slowly shifting. And again, not all the Aboriginal people in Australia have this information and this way of living, but the ones that we encountered did. And so this is why. Well, absolutely. And, you know, the majority of the Indigenous Aboriginal culture 
are Western, they're newsreaders, they're reporters, they're out there, they're doctors, they're in the community. And then there is a lot of community that's out back, you know, they're, they're not, they're stuck between worlds. They're not fitting in with Western society. They're not fitting in with their ancient and they're lost and they're alcoholic problem you know there's a lot of alcoholics because they don't actually digest alcohol their physical bodies don't like white people do so they get very sick and yet yeah yeah. it's interesting Karen because we have the exact same problem over here in the United States with the Native Americans they have the exact same situation where they have become alcoholic their bodies again can't handle that alcohol and many of them are very troubled they They've lost that disconnect from their land. They've lost that disconnect from who they are. And so every now and then you will meet those Native Americans who have stayed true to that wisdom and have tremendous abilities. Yeah. I remember I was, I was uh, talking at a conference one time and I was mentioning how the remote Aboriginals that we were encountering could be more telepathic, they could shapeshift, they could remote view, all these astral travel. And there's this gentleman in the back of the room and he's nodding his head that he can do all these things as well. And I find out later, he's an Indian chief, you know? So it's like, it, it is in certain pockets, it just depends. So you can't really, it just goes to show you shouldn't judge anybody. You never know where they're at. But I, I feel like when they disconnected from the Aboriginal people, disconnect from their land, that's a huge part of their identity. And they became very lost. Very much I, so. so it's, yeah. So this is why it's nice to get back to the pure roots, the pure wisdom as much as possible. Well, I feel more connected to the American Indians than I do the Aboriginal, you know, Indigenous Australians. Maybe that's a past life thing. I don't know. But Uh, you know, the conversation that they have, I feel like every time I see an Aboriginal, it's always them and us. It's like our Mm -hmm. culture, me, and then the white. It's it's, in their language, it's very divisive. It's very about division. It's about you white people, us black people, we're different, we're separate. But the other night I went to a beautiful ceremony up the road and there was Uncle Bob. So there was a um, welcome to country and a dance and a ceremony to start from a younger Aboriginal, like he was probably in his 30s or 40s, and then that Uncle Bob came along. And for the first time I heard an Indigenous of Australian say, we are one. And I'm like, how are they Yes, yes. <laughs> exactly. You know, because I exactly. don't see any of us as separate, white, black, Asian, Hispanic, you know, we're humans, we're souls having a different right. experience. And we're so diverse, but we're all one. So Bob was the first time in all the time I've been on this land that I've seen and heard an Aboriginal person say, we're one. And that was... Yes. And that's what the tribe would say is that we are all one. We're all connected. We're all just, you know, that's the one thing they think they'd want you to take away. It's interesting. I've I've been at gatherings with many different indigenous cultures from all over the world, and they have some of the same things in common. They have a tremendous respect and love for the land. They've never lost that connection to Gaia, and they have tremendous respect for the ancestors. They feel very connected because we are part of them. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that they, if you can get to some of these pockets where they've maintained that, that original connection, they will all say the same thing. It doesn't matter if they're coming from Peru or from Sydney. They can hear the trees singing to us. They can hear the mountains talking to each other. They have maintained that, and those are the ones, that's the wisdom I want to find out about. Absolutely. So what would you like to tell people about this? I mean, what do you want people to do? Obviously, buy the book, live the principles. The people that are fascinated in Indigenous culture, 
you know, maybe they feel like they need to come down under and experience it themselves. Would you recommend that? Or would you say just connect <laughs> to them spiritually? You know, here's the thing. I, I, all my friends saying, come to the outback, come to the outback. I'm thinking I couldn't think of anything worse. You know, the slides. <laughs> the <dust. laughs> yeah. I'm, you know, stay close to the ocean, thanks. But yeah. I, recently I was in meditation recently and I had this Aboriginal chief show up in spirit and say, you know, just hang out with me. And I'm like, hello. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What are you doing here? <laughs> yeah. You don't need to go to the outback. I'm right here. Exactly. That's the thing. You don't need to go there. It's good. If you don't feel the calling to go, don't go. That sometimes yeah. you get that calling and you just know that there's a different thing. I think you're supposed to stay by the ocean, Karen. I just think you're supposed to stay. It's on my bucket list, Robbie. It's on my bucket <laughs> list. I got to get out to the outback before I die, you know. Okay. Oh, you got plenty of time. It's really yeah. an experience. Like you've been there, right? So it's really really a wild experience it's not easy it's a challenging experience it's not easy no no I think I think what I would love to to get back to your original question I think what I would love to leave our viewers and listeners with is that there's tremendous hope for them Um, just because they've been given a diagnosis or uh, they've been suffering with something it doesn't mean it needs to stay that way Um, that body wants to heal it knows how to heal it's just an innate ability you just need to figure out what are the emotional cores that are blocking that healing? And am I creating love-based emotions, compassion, gratitude, joy that create those vibrant cells that creates a vibrant body that enables that body to heal? So pay attention to what kind of energy are you creating? What kind of cells are you creating? And is it going to create that vibrant state? But, But more than anything, there's tremendous hope. I rarely run into people that they're not supposed to heal. You know, yeah. I think one of the most powerful statements of the five principles was the first one, and that was, what are you getting from being sick? You know, I, I, what, how did you word it again, the permission that you give? Is there a secondary gain from yeah. being sick? Are you willing to get better? Are you and willing you know, to get Because a lot of people use a sickness for, if I'm sick, you'll give me attention, or if I'm sick, you'll give me love. If I'm sick, I get love. You know, a friend of mine's partner died recently, uh, a couple of years ago, but when she was diagnosed with cancer, the love that surrounded her, people gave her money. You know, there's a lot of, <laughs> would you rather the health or would you rather the attention? Right. Like, right. yeah, it's a, that's a powerful step, that first step. That right. first step. Yeah. And you don't have to know how to make those changes. You don't even need to know what those steps are, but just be willing to take that first step. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Oh, it's been so beautiful to talk with you today. I don't it's know how long we've been great. talking. I've just been lost in time. I have no idea. I have no idea. <laughs> Doesn't matter. It's good. It's fun. <laughs> I know. I'm surprised when you keep telling me it's morning because I'm about ready for dinner. So, oh, yeah. No, I should let you go and, and let you get. Oh, no, no, it's fine. It's uh, fine. So, where can people, you know, get the books? Where can they find out about you? I'll have the, on the YouTube, I'll have the thing underneath. Okay. People on radio. Uh, Well, you know, my website, I have a blog section that has a lot of information up there for people. We try to get as much information out there as possible. So if they go to holeswellness.com, it's H-O-L-Z-W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S.com. There's a lot of information that will help them. Beautiful. And pass the word. Absolutely, pass the word. Another question I want to ask you is how has it been received in the States? I mean, how are people... Oh, my 
goodness. Are they finding it, you know, are they more interested in it because it seems so elusive, it's Australia, it's all the way over there? Like if you'd written about, a, you know, Native American Indigenous culture. Mm, that's a really good point. You know, I have to say it's fascinating because it's been received very well. In fact, mm. that book, Secrets of Aboriginal Healing, is now in over 40 countries Thank and you. just it was just published in Slovenian. So it's fascinating what pockets around the world are, there's a true fascination for Aboriginal people. And especially here in the States, you go to England, Germany, Slovenia, they have a real love and respect for the Aboriginal people. Um, They don't know why, but they just do. And I think that that's um, mutant message down or really worldwide open people up to that. So it's just, it's doing tremendously well. That's a great question. If it had been about Native American healing secrets in the United States, would it have done so well? I can't, that's a, yeah. Yeah. Good question. You know, I remember. It's doing really well in Australia. Great. So that tells you something too. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, that's why I wanted to talk to you today because I wanted to promote, you know, the Indigenous people because they're beautiful. Yeah. You know, they have many beautiful, yeah, they're beautiful people. They're beautiful people and, and different. They're so different because here's the thing about American, you know, the American thing is very pretty. It's like feathers. They look lovely and, and Hollywood portrayed them as so beautiful, whereas the Aboriginals are pretty rough looking. They're pretty rough looking. Yeah. I know. I couldn't believe they were, when we came in for the shower uh, after being in the Outback, and I have to say it was the longest shower of my life and the most enjoyable. I couldn't believe they were still out there in that harsh, dusty environment. It's, it's, yeah, it's not glamorous. It's definitely not glamorous. <laughs> and, but the thing is that it's like water off a duck's but they don't, they don't mind. You know, That's if only we could be. If only we could be as, you know, I aspire to be as not worried about what I look like and not worried about the elements and the environment, like just yeah. like just comfortable in my own skin no matter what the circumstances, whether it's hot, whether it's cold, you know, whether mm-hmm. my hair's messed up, whether I've got lipstick on or not, whether flies are all over my face, like just could I be as comfortable in my own skin as them? I mean, that's really a message that they... Yeah. Yeah. And they feel immense gratitude. That's what they feel. They don't see it as a harsh environment. They see it. They just see it as this beautiful gift. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think they they, they believe that we have very chaotic lives and we are very primitive in so many ways. And I would totally agree with them. Yeah. I agree with them too. I just wanted to say one thing. When I uh, was waking up and, and doing the whole Ascension thing in the early 90s, you know, I heard that Uluru, that Ayers Rock, is this massive crystal underneath and that it, it's at the heart chakra of the planet. That's something I heard. I don't know if that's the truth, but that's what the spiritual community was saying, that Uluru is this heart chakra of the planet. So it was interesting. Well, I, I understand my guides are telling me right now that there is a huge crystal there, yeah. but um, I don't know that it's the heart chakra. I think um, I've been told that Hawaii, that area tends to, you know, be the heart chakra, but I think that Uluru is one of the chakras. Let me see if they'll, um, it, it very may, well might be the first one, the root. Wouldn't that make sense? That's what my team is telling me now. Okay. Which, which is really sort of, isn't that where the birth was? Um, they, they, uh, people have always believed that the birthing of humanity came from that area. 
Um, and I believe that the Aboriginal people do. So that would make sense that it's the that it's the root. Yeah, that's just what I'm getting at the moment. So, yeah. Cool. Robbie, thank you so much for chatting with us. Thank you. It's been such a delight. On ATP and uh, blessings and good luck with, you know, I don't need to say good luck, but um, the book sounds fabulous. So thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you, Karen. Really enjoyed it. Take care. Thanks so much for joining me for another show accentuating the positive here on the Home of Conscious Music, Soul Traveller Radio. Remember to support Conscious Music, Consciousness. Go to Soul Traveller Radio on Facebook and accentuate the positive radio with Karen Swain on Facebook. Check out my website, karenswain.com, for any readings and teachings available about spiritual, deliberate creation for the change makers, difference makers and disruptors catch you next time thanks for listening bye for now